Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Psalms, chapter 73. Uh, It is always a great privilege to be able to preach to you guys, to be able to preach the gospel. We're going to have a good time tonight. My aim this evening is to encourage you, get you ready for the week. We're going to have a good time this evening. The story goes, a group of friends would walk to the next town for work every day. And on the way to this town, they, came, they stumbled across a hut of a monk. They began to inquire, kind of check if this monk's really what he's about. They began to test his holiness, if you would. They would tempt him with various things, various lusts. They would throw at him. And for weeks, nothing worked. They could not get through to this monk. They couldn't bug him enough. Some time goes by, a new friend joins the group for work. They start going and tell him, hey, we always pass by this guy's house. We try to mess with him, but nothing works. So this new hire, he kind of finally is like, let me see, let me go talk to him. He goes, knocks on the door, and he says, excuse me, sir, but have, have you heard the news, holy man? Your brother has just been named the bishop of Alexandria. Immediately, the face of this monk changes. He gets up and he storms away in rage. Hey, where, where are you going? What's going on? He goes, I'm going to go talk to my brother. I deserve that role. You know, how many can agree with me that We've all experienced envy at some point in our lives. And what can sound like a simple story can be reality for many. When our eyes are fixed on God, we are content regardless of what other people have or gain. And in our text tonight, we're going to read of a psalmist who also battled with this emotion called envy, but was able to overcome I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Emotional Support out of Psalm 73. We can learn something tonight, church, from this psalm and keep our focus on God regardless of who we perceive to prosper. Psalm 73, we're going to begin in verse 25. The Bible says this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Emotional support. Let's look first of all tonight, church, at the eyes of envy. You know, God... He created mankind with emotions. He designed it that way so that you and I can uniquely experience life. 
You can even prove this and break it down scientifically. We know of studies of the rise and fall of dopamine levels in your brain. That was put there by God. Studying the effects of depression and its impact on society. How it's triggered by various emotions. I remember when we were pioneering in Charleston, there was a... Uh, a bus we would see every now and then downtown. There's this massive sticker on the backside of it uh, saying that you would get paid. It says, feeling depressed, get paid for it. So you can essentially be like a lab rat. They would test on you. And even with all these studies, scientists, they, they still can't agree on how many emotions there are or if you can even categorize them properly. But in our text we see that there is one emotion that has the ability to derail your life. A small four-letter word called envy. A psychologist once defined envy as a negative emotion experienced in response to another's higher status. The goal of envy is to lessen the social status gap between the self and the superior other. Another psychologist wrote an article on envy. It says this, More and more I encounter an emotion in patience that is quiet, hidden, nagging, and insidious. Most people seem surprised when it's named, and the notion of inviting an open exploration of the feeling in their relationships seems quite unthinkable. To own the emotion feels shameful, and the detection of said emotion elicits guilt in the perceiver. It's a primitive feeling that we can easily recognize, yet conveniently tend not to take notice of. What is this feeling, he writes? Envy. He says, it's at the heart of relationship problems in families and between lovers. It's corrosive properties lurk at the heart of political divides and toxic discourse. Individuals and groups grow further apart and disparities emerge and more seeds of envy are sown so what the world and science we we understand what they have to say about this but what does God have to say about envy this word is usually used in a negative connotation something that you should get rid of something you should stay away from something that you should watch out for Proverbs fourteen thirty. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Job 5.2, for wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. Proverbs 23.17, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 24.1, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. So many instances, church, in God's word that mention envy or they speak of jealousy or self-interest. What science is still trying to define and definitively prove God already defined in his word. Envy is an emotion within the heart that we must not give in to. This is birth out of our sinful nature. Our fallen nature desires things that we do not have why else would God command us do not covet when a person envies they they go in this emotional roller coaster ride there's envy there's discontent 
anger, there's jealousy, you're grumpy all the time, you can go on and on. The state of being discontent or envy will negatively affect your life, negatively affect your mind and your spirit. In Psalm chapter 73, you read it's a psalm of Asaph. He was a song leader of David. He was a psalmist. And this chapter he writes out of personal experience in verse 13 and 14. He says this, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. To get a bit uh, better understanding, the Living Bible translation says, Have I been wasting my time? Why take the trouble to be pure? All I get out of it is trouble and woe every day and all day long. So we read here how the seed of envy has begun to negatively affect Asaph's life, this psalmist. You know, it's interesting in in those two verses, there's there's some harsh words. He says, in vain. He says, all day long I have been plagued. I've been chastened every morning. When he says, I've washed my hands in innocence, it's the idea that symbolizes being cleansed, right? Washing your hands. Yet, he says it was in vain. It was worthless. It was to no purpose. When envy is in your heart, when it takes root in your heart, it makes you feel like the good that you're doing is for nothing. It's worthless because you still don't have what the other person has. You still don't have what that brother has or what your co-worker has. The picture of being plagued all day long, as he said, it's, it's like being stricken or being beat or being touched, grabbed. That's what envy will do to you. It will hold you down. It will beat you. And we know that chastisement is being corrected or rebuked. There's a battle that he's experiencing internally. What's right? What's wrong? What am I going to choose to do? So here's the case of a godly man. He was a song service leader in David's kingdom. A righteous man. The Bible calls him the chief musician, and he's wrestling with envy. That tells me that that no one, no one is exempt from battling this feeling within. No one is above envy. You will experience envy. You will battle with envy at least one point in your life. So if this is true, let's look secondly at disillusioned saints. Here's how the psalmist caught the envy bug. Asaph became envious because he saw. What's powerful about this chapter, you can read the whole chapter on your own time, Psalm 73, but it's so real. It's so relatable to you and I. And God knows how we function, how we operate. And he left this psalm in there. Verses 1 through 3, we can all relate. The Bible says, truly God is good to Israel, 
to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, the Bethel translation, God is good, but I'm feeling this thing inside and I'm not happy with my life because that person has something that I don't. You know, when you allow envy to permeate in your heart, your mind gets distorted. And verse 12 gives us a peek into the psalmist's mind. It says, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. This describes a lot of people. It may describe you, the ungodly. No, I'm kidding. You're not. No, no, no. Switch the point of view. You can see. You see the ungodly out there. And you can think, man, they're, they're always at ease. Their life. They're always, they're always smiling. They increase in riches. We can see the prosperity of the wicked. The prosperity of the wicked. How did, it's like, a, like an oxymoron. They increase in riches. The wicked. You see others and, and you, t- you, you can tell yourself, man, they're doing a lot better than I am. Man, that. Their life looks a lot more fun than mine. They have this. They have that. I don't, I don't have those things. You know, it's human nature even to see something you don't have and immediately feel like you should have that or at least they, they don't deserve that. The term perception is reality, right? What you see, that's, that's, that's the truth. That defines our generation today. There's no time for the other side of the story. There's no time for facts. What you see, what you feel, that's the truth. There's this uh, far side comic. So picture this. It's a pharmacy. There's a guy. He goes up to the counter. There's the pharmacist. And on the counter, there's this giant pill bottle. And in the pill bottle, there's these baseball-sized pills. Right? So this guy walks in. The comic says, the new antidepressant. Instead of swallowing it, throw it at anyone who appears to be having a good time. You know, envy does the same thing. We perceive others to be having a good time. And what do we want to do? We want to self-prescribe and ruin their fun. They don't deserve, I deserve that. You know, many times, church, we don't understand the full scope of what we become when we allow envy to take root in our hearts. Asaph believed what he saw. What did he see? He saw the ungodly at ease. But that's not the case many times. For the most part in here, we're all saved. We love God. We know when we were in the world, there is nothing easy about living in sin in the world. There is nothing great about living in sin but, but Asaph, he, he, the psalmist, he doesn't see that. He sees people who don't serve the God of Israel, and he says, man, they have it made. Man, their life looks great. They, they, they live at ease. There's nothing great about living in sin. Depression, loneliness, bitterness, 
living your whole life trying to, to fit in, no direction. So envy has officially distorted his viewpoint. Now he believes that life in bondage to sin is better. When envy takes root, church, we don't realize how blind it makes us to reality. That's why the article I mentioned earlier, it calls it the hidden emotion. Verse 22 in Psalm 73, he writes, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Here is a direct reference to his perception, how his perception of the wicked became Reality, without realizing it, church, you can be blinded to the point where no one can reason with you. Did you see what they have? What they're driving? I don't have that. Why do they have that? They don't deserve that. Envy has the ability to make you foolish and ignorant. No one can talk sense into you. No one can convince you Oh, no, you have to see the bigger. No, no, what? You're consumed with looking at everything everyone else has, and you're also looking at everything you don't have. How many good Christians has the devil taken out because of this very emotion? You know, we're Christians, we're not perfect. We don't live perfect lives. We're, we're you know, what? We look good in a suit and tie and a dress. Got your nice shoes all shined up and polished. But we're not perfect. We have struggles. We're a blessed people. But we're still subject to life's curveballs. Yet how many good, faithful Christians who love God no longer serve him? Because they they saw something they didn't have. In the book of 1 Peter, he writes to the church in Asia Minor. He's encouraging them. You read the first chapter, he's reminding them of their salvation, reminding them of the hope of the gospel, God's enduring word. He finishes the chapter and then he drives the point home. In chapter 2, he says this, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. He's encouraging the church, but he's warning the church. Lay aside malice, deceit. Lay aside envy. Desire God's word so that you may grow. You're saved. You love God. Remove these other things from you. If you had to warn them of envy, then it's probably a good idea to listen. You know, we're, we're made of flesh. God designed it that way. I think God knew what he was doing. The devil knows the weakness of the flesh. And we can't change the flesh. So we will all struggle with envy at some point. All of us. Like I said earlier, nobody's exempt. 
Verse 26. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is a, this is a deep verse. So he's telling us that his flesh and his heart, they're subject to envy. They will fail him and they, they will get caught up in envy. That's why he says, right, they fail. Left to ourselves, church, we will fail. We will give in to envy when we are left to ourselves and we're not even going to realize how it's negatively affecting our lives and destroying us. But he then writes, God is my strength and my portion. The heart. It represents flesh, obviously. But it's also a picture of our spirit. So what is he saying in verse 26? By God being our strength and our portion means that he is enough to satisfy our physical and our spiritual needs. And here's a a little side note. This is just an observation of mine. You can think what you know. We know that envy, right, like I said, it can distort our view of people. What they have, what you don't have, what you wish you had, what you don't want them to have. What if, what if the wicked that the psalmist is writing about, what if they were actually church people? What if Asaph was blinded by envy that he saw church people through an envious eye that he considered them wicked? What if he perceived to see people blessed in the church and he thought they were, how dare they showing off their money? How dare buying new shoes, showing off their latest iPhone? Who do they think they are? Blessed, wicked people. That's just my observation. You know, be careful, church, that you don't see others within the church that way. When envy begins to take root, you envy, you hate. Oh, I don't go to that church. People are too proud. They're all hypocrites. Let me say this. Everyone here, all of us here, we're blessed. If you woke up this morning, you are blessed. If you made it to church tonight, you are blessed. We can come from all walks of life. When we come in here, we're all the same. People who were on their way to hell, but a God saved them by his grace. Let's look lastly tonight at completely content. You know, church, we, we don't have to live with envy. And when we struggle with this emotion, we can overcome. So our hope tonight, the, the answer is found in this, in this very same chapter, Psalm 73, verse 16 and 17. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. The New Living Translation puts it this way. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, 
and finally understood the destiny of the wicked. It wasn't until Asaph met with God at the altar that he finally saw clearly that God was able to meet with him. When envy takes root in your heart, you take your eyes off of God and you begin to see everything everyone else has and what you don't have. So the remedy is to place your vision back on God and back on his purpose for your life. Not the life of the wicked, not the life of that brother or sister that has that nice car. Put your vision on his plans for your life. So when he did this, when he went into the sanctuary, when he finally understood, what did it do? Three things. It caused the psalmist to repent. It called him to get a revelation. And it caused him to realign himself. It caused him to repent, right? He came into the sanctuary. He came into where God's presence was and met with God. And this is proven because then he says, then I understood. He repented and then he got a personal revelation. I then understood after I met with God. And in doing so, he was able to realign himself in this this chapter of, of Psalms was finished. That article I mentioned earlier on hidden emotion, it went on to write this, the antidote to envy is gratitude. Just as the antidote to starvation is feeling nourished and full. Like that feeling after a three-day fast and we all go and break it? Come on. Right? The, the, the answer to envy is Gratitude. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. Another scripture here, deep. My, I was mind blown. What is Asaph telling us here? What is the psalmist telling us? Be content, God is enough. Right, he says, whom have I in, have I in heaven but you? Hey, you make it to heaven, there's streets of gold, you have a mansion with your name on it, glory, beauty, and awe, and he goes, forget all that, all I need in heaven is God. And then he says, and there is none upon earth that I desire but you. It doesn't matter what this world has to offer, the riches, the fame, I, don't, I just need God. I am completely content with God, with Jesus Christ. So I've been jumping around Psalm 73 just to tell you this. Gratitude is the secret defense, a defense against temptation. If you're satisfied with what you have, then the devil can't tempt you with what he has. Our main text Verse 25 to 28, this is the conclusion. After this chief musician, after this psalmist went on this wild roller coaster ride of envy, our main text is the conclusion. Verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God 
that I may declare all your works. He wrestled with this. He battled with this. He was starting to lose to this envy. But he overcame. It is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. That is all that you and I have to keep on doing, church. That's it. Draw near to God. Put your trust in him and declare his works. What are his works? The miracle of your life. The fact that God saved you from your sins, saved you from hell, and has you where you are today. Those are his works. The blessing that you now have today, those are his works. Your marriage, your ministry, your church, those are his works. Not what brother so-and-so has. Not what your co-workers have. Not what you don't have. His works are in your life. They are evident. The miracle of your life. Declaring his works keeps your eyes on all the blessings he's given you now so that you don't focus on what lacks. Gratitude or being grateful is taking your eyes off others. Taking your eyes off of what you don't have. We all have goals. We all have dreams. I have plenty. But I don't get lost in that. Oh man, I wish I had this. Oh man, I'm, it's been so long. I never was able to buy this. I don't have that. Look at what they have, man. They beat me to it. I wanted to buy that. Pause, church. Pause for a moment. Look at what God has done. God is more than just emotional support. He's the only support. The only support for your life, for your situations. It all started because he, he, the, the psalmist wrote, I was envious because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Get your eyes off of that. Keep your focus on God. Look at what the Lord has done. You can overcome. We all battle with this emotion, but you can overcome. You don't have to allow this to take root and grow and destroy your life and distort your view. Keep your focus on God. Trust in Him. Draw near to Him. Declare His works. And God will help us. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed in this place, every eye closed. I wanted to preach something that would encourage us, that was my aim tonight. Something that we can take, we can refer to, remember. Psalm 73, read it on your own time. When you're having a bad day, when you're feeling that bug come back, Psalm 73, I had nearly slipped. Tonight you're here in this place, Maybe you're a visitor, it's your first time joining us. You know what envy can do. But not just that. There's something deeper than envy. What caused it in the first place, and that is our fallen nature, our sinful nature. And if we're honest with ourselves, 
Without Christ, there's more than just envy at play. There's rejection. There's bitterness, anger. Perhaps depression. Loneliness. I'm here to let you know if you're visiting us for the first time tonight, if you're here, Jesus Christ can set you free from all of that. Jesus Christ can give you a new life. And I'm telling you, you will experience a joy like you've never experienced. You will be content in life. And tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to allow Jesus Christ to come inside your heart. I want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer, so that God can begin His work in your life. Tonight, you want salvation. You want that prayer, Pastor. That's me. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of giving in to all of these emotions. I need a Savior tonight. You want my prayer for salvation? Lift your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I am not saved. I want to accept Christ in my life. Pastor, pray quickly. Lift your hand. Just a simple prayer tonight. I want to give you that opportunity this evening. All over this place, maybe you're backslidden. You gave in to envy. Now you're bitter. You're not serving God like you used to. You can get right tonight. You can meet with God at this altar. Backslider, raise your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I'm tired of living like this all over this place. One last call. Not saved or backslidden. Praise God. Church, keep your focus on God. Draw near to Him. Trust in Him. Don't worry about what other people have outside of the church, even within the church, you keep serving God and He will work out His purpose, His will in your life. Let's stand to our feet. These altars are open. Church, come. Find a place to pray. Do business with God. The psalmist, the chief musician, he did not understand until he came into the sanctuary of God. I believe God wants to give us tonight personal revelation. Holly, we're going to sing this song. Take your time tonight, church. The rock of my salvation, you are the strength of my life. Oh, God, touch hearts even now, Lord. You are the God minister You are the rock my salvation God even now God speak to your people God remove the scales from our eyes tonight God help us Lord to keep our eyes fixed on you Cry out to God God, remove the scales from my eyes. God, forgive me if I have taken my focus off of you. God, I am repenting. God, I am realigning myself with your will for my life. Oh, yes, God. Take your time tonight, church. God's grace is here right now. Oh, yes, God, thank you for your grace. 
God, touch hearts, Father. God, bring personal revelation tonight, God. I believe. I believe in you. Believe Let's sing it out, church. Let's give God praise tonight. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We all, we all struggle with this. We all battle with this. But we don't have to lose to it. We don't have to be overcome. But we can overcome envy. God left it in his word to help you and I. We can keep going, keep moving forward. Even the song leader, the chief musician struggled with this. We're not perfect, but God wants to help us, church. Thank God. Thank God for his grace. We're going to be dismissed. You go, loving one another, fellowship with one another. Uh, The night is young. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Thank you all for joining us this evening. If I can have uh, Brother Augie go ahead and close in prayer tonight. Amen. God bless your church. Have a good night. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. 
And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.